Hello, and welcome to episode nine of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your co-host, Mati. And I'm Ian. And Ian, you just came back from Disney World, right? Disney World, yes. Disney World, yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I think that was kind of your graduation extravaganza. Yeah, it was. It was a really good time. Uh, Lots of things have changed since I went there last. When was the last time you went? I guess pretty recently also, three years ago, two years ago for, for Christmas. Wasn't was it the last time you went, like, around the time that Carrie Fisher died? Yeah, Carrie Fisher died while I was there. Yeah, and then uh, there was a whole Star Wars thing, Yeah, there right? was a big Star Wars event. Tons of people went and, like, lit up their very fancy, expensive lightsabers by in, like, the Star Wars world area. And uh, my family and I went to see Rogue One, which made us all cry <laughs> because... <laughs> We didn't, oh, it ends well, we with, didn't know yeah. that Carrie Fisher was going to show up at the end of it. <laughs> so that was that was heavy. Um, but they added an Avatar World of Pandora. Yeah, tell me about that. Animal I'm really, Kingdom. really excited about that. I mean, I was walking through it, and it was obviously beautiful. It looked like the, the World of Pandora from the movie. But as I was walking through it, I was sort of just like, why? Like, why does this exist? This must have taken so much money. Yeah, but... <laughs> I don't know. Avatar made like two point eight billion dollars in twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like why? Add well, it now? well, didn't they? Didn't they add one in? It wasn't rec- that recent, really. The pa- World of Pandora. I it think it was. just came out recently. Really? Okay. Not. Well, it wasn't there the last time I went. Well, there. Avatar yeah. two is coming out in what twenty twenty one? Yeah. Now after getting delayed again. Yeah. So well, I actually have something I want to talk about Avatar two about. As we get oh, into this. So ride. do I, because of the world of Pandora. There's a ride there. It's like a virtual reality ride kind of thing. And it was like obviously beautiful because it was made by the the same people who worked on Avatar. And after like going on it and being amazed by it, I was like, oh, so this is why the movies have been delayed so much. They've been working on this freaking ride. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's why. <laughs> I sh- you yeah. should see it. It was beautiful. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think Avatar 2 is just going to knock people's socks off, but I you do. I do want to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, did you like the first Avatar? I thought it looked cool. I loved the first Avatar when it came out. I don't know. I don't I don't get the I don't get the like revision revision of history of hating Avatar. I don't hate it. I think it was awesome. I think it looked awesome, but it was clearly not a movie that people went to see for its story. Yeah. Well, that's fine. I think <laughs> A lot of movies are like that, so yeah. I don't know why people yeah. pick on Avatar for that. Maybe because not every movie makes over $2 billion, yeah. but I think that's whatever. <laughs> Anyways, hold on to that as we get into our review mm-hmm. this week. So to this week, we will be running through Disney's live-action remake of Aladdin. We'll warm up with brief spoiler-free thoughts on the film, and then we'll run into spoiler territory where we can talk freely about the film. And then, as always, we'll round out the episode with our point two section, and there... We will discuss what else we've been watching. So first, let's read a synopsis of Aladdin. A kind-hearted street urchin and a power-hungry grand vizier... I don't know what that is. I guess Jafar? (laughs) (laughs) They're vying for a magic lamp that has the power to make their deepest wishes come true. This version of Aladdin, which is a remake of the 1992 film, stars Mena Masood, Naomi Scott, and Will Smith as the genie. It is written by John August and Guy Ritchie, who also directed the film. So this is what the maybe ninth of these kind of live action remakes, Mm -hmm. at least of the modern era. They had a couple 101 Dalmatian live action movies in the 90s. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to ignore those. Um, There's another one coming out, isn't it? Cruella, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a retelling of Cruella de Vil. I think Emma Stone is in it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about this kind of trend of remaking these Disney cartoons into live action remakes? think it's very uh, a contentious topic. I personally love it. People. Really? Uh, it's another way of bringing the movie back without, you know, just putting the animated movie back in theaters. It's showing the movie, the movies in a way that's different to people who know the original versions, but it keeps the topic and story very familiar as well. And it, it's something that I think is going to make a lot of new young disney fans you know okay well because then they, why can't they didn't you just grow up with these movies coming out yeah why can't you just show them the new or the old movies 
Because this these movies have a bit of something for everyone, you know. That like we didn't see Will Smith as Aladdin in the previous Aladdin, and I'm very glad that I did now. Okay. So what um like what are you what are you trying to get out of these movies? What do you want these movies to be? I think one of the huge criticisms that people have about this movie, and I'm not saying it's me, are that they're literally shot-for-shot remakes, that there's no originality in it. Do you want literally shot-for-shot remakes, or what are you looking for with these? In these live-action remakes, I guess what I'm looking for is what I go into MCU movies looking for. Like, I know that the story is going to be somewhat familiar to me as a comic fan, but they change things in a way that I wouldn't expect, so it entertains and surprises me. But it also tells a new story to people who aren't familiar with the originals. Okay. I actually largely agree with that. I've never really understood the kind of incessant hate for remaking these things. I do think it is, you know, innately lazy to do what they're doing. But as you said, with the Marvel movies, which are genuinely good movies, I think, probably, you know, on average, much better than these live action movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, But even with those, I mean, there is a sense of it's a cash grab. First and foremost, they're trying to capitalize on known property. So that doesn't really bother me. And it sort of confuses me why people have such an issue here. I also do agree that I think in general, what I'm looking for in these live action movies is something that kind of takes the skeleton of what came before it and makes it slightly different so that There's a, you know, I I want these live action movies to have a reason for being live action Mm -hmm. as opposed to just literally telling the exact same thing again. Yeah. Um, I may not, there may be an exception to that with Lion King just because I think that I don't really care if that is a shot for shot remake. But for (laughs) example, with these Beauty and the Beast and um, Dumbo and whatever this movie is, Aladdin, I guess, Mm for those ones, I, I am sort of looking for something that kind of harps on the nostalgia of the old one, but also introduces its kind of own thing. So far, I think that a lot of these movies have been pretty disappointing for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Let's talk about kind of the the big two, I guess. The, the ones that made over a billion dollars are, well, I guess the three that made over a billion dollars, if you count Alice in Wonderland, which you shouldn't. Yeah, because I, I wouldn't count it. <laughs> I'm convinced that that didn't actually make a billion dollars. And that's just one of those like weird revisions of history or something. <laughs> There's no way that actually happened. Who saw that in theaters? I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, anyways, but you have seen it, right? No, I haven't. Actually. You haven't seen yeah, it? No. Oh, do you still like Johnny this, Depp? This was Johnny Depp, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, Alice in Wonderland is where I started being like, okay, I I could do without Johnny Depp, but that's a tangent. Anyways, um, oh, also Maleficent made a shit ton of money too. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Nope. Okay. <laughs> so this is, I guess this is a bad question for you then, but like, I guess you did see Jungle Book yeah. and you did see Beauty and the Beast, yeah. right? What did you think about those two films? I wasn't a huge fan of Jungle Book. Is there a reason? Uh, you know, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I remember that being more of a shot-for-shot shot remake, right? I mean, no. Okay, so I don't remember this do you, movie Do you remember all. the the original Jungle Book? Because there's this whole... No, I've seen the original jun- Jungle Book once. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, Jungle Book was like a little too old for us. I guess that mm-hmm. dates us quite young. But <laughs> um, what about Beauty and the Beast? I loved Beauty and the Beast. Really? Which I guess is unpopular from the people I've talked to. But okay. I, I, I really like Emma Watson you know, and the auto-tuning of their voices and some of the songs didn't really, I didn't notice until people pointed it out to me. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, oh, man, I'm, some of some of her auto-tuning is I'm painful. so bad at noticing it. The same in Aladdin, like I didn't notice some very obvious auto-tuning, I guess, yeah. with Mina Masood. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I <laughs> um, I actually, I'm the opposite of you. I enjoyed Jungle Book. I didn't, it didn't blow me away like it seemed to have blown away critics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the just from a visual level, I thought it was really interesting and yeah. engaging to watch. So at least it had that. I really didn't like Beauty and the Beast. Really, I thought it was that was beautiful. Very shallow, in the sense that they didn't do anything different enough to warrant 
like not just watching the original、mm-hmm. one. And I also thought that kind of some of the the action set pieces in that just were really really flat. A lot of these movies, especially the most recent one, Dumbo,、mm-hmm. feel very murky. They feel like even though they're two hundred million dollars, there's no color to any of them. It's very low contrast and very muted tones. Yeah. yeah, especially when you compare it to the the animated stuff. That's true. Yeah, and I just felt like everything everything felt like it was just in two dimensions. Like、mm-hmm. you didn't it didn't there was no depth to the world. A little Zack Snydery. Would you say? Yes,、yeah. I would. I mean, I seems a little gratuitous to shit on him for that, Ian. But that's fine. I have to make it happen every podcast. Okay. <laughs>、uh, but yeah, I, and I and I especially thought that that was really telling in the Be Our Guest musical number、mm-hmm. in、um, Beauty and the Beast, which I thought was just so perfunctory. It felt just like necessary. Yeah. And there, it wasn't、okay. very spectacular or anything like that. Yeah, not a huge fan of Beauty and the Beast. That being said,、uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move over to Aladdin now and、yeah. talk about what I thought about that. And I actually really really liked this movie. Yeah,、um, we had we didn't see this movie together, so I have no idea what you thought about it. <laughs>、um, so why don't you just tell me quickly what you thought? Yeah, I love this movie. It was, I guess, the opposite of what you were saying about the previous live action movies. Like this is a beautiful, colorful, lively world.、Mm-hmm. The city of Agrabah was beautiful.、Uh, there were so many different like cultures and people walking around and doing things in the background while Aladdin was like walking around and stealing things. Like there were just like little things that you could look at in the background, which you don't see in the previous ones. Like it's like you said, very dead worldy in those movies.、Mm-hmm. And I loved the relationship between Aladdin and、uh, Jasmine in this movie. I thought. It was really great. They both did a great job. Naomi Scott and Mina Masood,、uh, and I was very surprised by Will Smith's genie. I went into this pretty negative, actually, after seeing the trailer with genie in it, and I was pleasantly surprised because throughout the entire movie, I kept waiting for the next genie scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with almost all of that. I think that definitely the genie or Will Smith as the genie. Was the thing that I liked about this movie the most?、Mm-hmm. I think that th- this movie is weird for me because I think that there are quite a bit of issues in it、mm-hmm. that we can talk about. But for whatever reason, a lot of those issues they bothered me. But when I left the film, I was still happy. I was still just I just had so much fun、mm-hmm. in this movie, and this movie has a sense of energy that a lot of the other live action movies don't.、Mm-hmm. I think. That they kind of figured out a way to still have that animated excitement in this movie, even though it was in live action. And I, it is hit or miss. I think, especially the the kind of the opening scene of this movie is a little cringy.、Um, yeah. I thought it was kind of choppy the way it, it picks up, and some of the dialogue is not super great. I think Mina Masood gets、uh, burdened with quite a bit of clunky dialogue、mm-hmm. that seems like. The only reason it's in there is because it was in the original. Yeah.、Um, so, for example, there's the the classic scene of Aladdin stealing the bread and then going through the the one jump, one jump ahead. Yeah. Yep. One jump、um, song, and then you know escaping the guards and then giving the bread to these homeless little kids. And a similar thing happens in this movie, but it is so rushed that. It feels like they're just doing that because if they didn't do that, people would kind of、yeah. get upset. That song, I, I wasn't very impressed by how they did that at all. Really? <laughs> yeah.、No. I I actually liked、um, the choreography of it. I liked kind of the the parkour of him going around, and it, it felt very practical. It felt like he was actually jumping from place to place. Yeah, I, I, which, I guess I liked that, but the song felt rushed. The yeah, the song was a little weird, and it was kind of weirdly put together,、mm-hmm. but. I do think that the second that the genie comes into the picture, all that awkwardness kind of goes away. Yeah, and the movie becomes much more confident. It becomes much more exciting. The musical numbers become kind of these explosive pieces,、mm-hmm. especially both "Friend Like Me" and "Prince Ali."、Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved those numbers. Yeah, they were beautiful. And that again is like the costumes and set pieces in this movie are absolutely gorgeous. Like if you just like look up like screenshots of Naomi Scott. 
just like I don't know, just standing <laughs> in, the, in this movie. Like every part of the the screen is gorgeous. Yeah, what did you think about her, Jasmine? I love Jasmine in this movie, and that's coming from a guy who absolutely hated the animated Jasmine. I thought really? she was a forgettable princess. Why? I don't know. She's just boring to me. Okay. <laughs> I, I also wasn't a huge fan of Aladdin before this movie. Like the movie itself? Yeah, the movie itself. Really? I liked the music, but I, I, I was never a big Aladdin fan. So this isn't one of your kind of um, classic Disney movies that you grew up on? Not really. No, okay. I mean, interesting. I, I really like the songs from it again. Like I, I would listen to Friend Like Me a lot, but... And until this, I don't, I don't think Aladdin would be in my top 10, but I absolutely loved Jasmine in this movie and how much more agency they gave her in this movie compared to the animated one. Like, she's very much a, like, feminist icon in this movie, and they they make that pretty clear, and I love it. It's, like, less Aladdin, and it's more Aladdin and Jasmine, and I really like that. Yeah. Did you ever see the uh, Power Rangers movie that came out a couple years yeah. ago? Yeah. Yeah, so she's the pink ranger mm-hmm. in this Naomi Scott? Mm-hmm. I think she is super fantastic in this. She's definitely like one of the best things about that Power Rangers movie. Mm-hmm. And I think aside from maybe Will Smith, she's by far the best thing in this movie. Yeah, definitely. I think the way, first off, she has a, a great singing voice and she's gorgeous. So fits the bill for Jasmine perfectly yeah. there. But I think she does a very good job at kind of displaying a type of emotion that is very hard to convey if it doesn't come naturally. I think she does a good job of expressing vulnerability while not being particularly weak. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an incredibly difficult thing to do as an actor, especially in a movie where some of the dialogue is very clunky and on the nose because it is a kid's film. Mm-hmm. So a lot of characters say what they're feeling instead of kind of being uh, less implicit about it mm-hmm. or more implicit. They're not explicit, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, she'll, she'll say some clunky stuff like, oh, yeah, I can't go outside of the palace, not this princess. And it's choppy, but it actually does work, and you can tell that she is using the emotion effectively. Yeah. What did you think? Uh, we talked about it briefly, but what did you think about Will Smith and specifically how he relates to a character who, for a lot of people, is incredibly iconic mm-hmm. and incredibly... It's incredibly sensitive. Yeah. Right? Given Robin Williams' passing and how this was kind of one of his most iconic characters. Yeah, I was I was on that ship pretty much up until seeing this movie. I was like, I don't think anybody can ever do what Robin Williams did. And I mean Will Smith doesn't do what Robin Williams did. He does like a very Will Smith. Journey. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like Ah, uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, it, it's like the director was just like, uh, all right, I just want you to just go up there and see, be uh, your, and be yourself, and then we'll just animate all the cool things around you. <laughs> and it, it, that's pretty much what it is. It's just Will Smith, Will Smith being Will Smith. <laughs> and I, I really liked it, especially the friend like me and like the different take that he had on it. He has like, he adds like a bit more hip hop to his songs. Yeah. And I, I really liked that. He made he, it his own. He also sings the opening Arabian Night. Yeah. And just from the get go, I was like, oh, wow, I really like this rendition. Yeah. yeah. It's really fun and nice. It's mm-hmm. His voice is very pleasant. In yeah, this, it is. To listen to him. But yeah, I think he did a really good job of making the character his own mm-hmm. instead of trying to be a cheap imitation of something that came before him. Yeah. But I do like that you can you still feel the same character beats through the... Like, he is playing the same character. Yeah. It's just a slight different take on the character. And I think overall, that's what this movie is doing. It's it's not completely different. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little too similar. I think the perfect type of a live-action remake like this might be a little more different than this one is. But I do like that it does take some liberties with the story. It make some changes. Most of them are good, such as the increased agency of Jasmine. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it still kind of has the same exact feel as the other movie. And I think that expecting any different than that is kind of setting yourself up for disappointment. And another thing that I really liked about this movie is that for better or for worse, I know Guy Ritchie's kind of not everybody's favorite director, Mm -hmm. 
But this movie does feel like it was directed by Guy Ritchie as opposed to just kind of like this faceless cog. Whereas a lot of the movies like Beauty and the Beast, like Dumbo, they don't feel like individual projects that could only be made by a single director. Mm -hmm. I guess if you want to compare it to like an MCU movie, it's hyperbolic, but this is kind of like Kugler's Black Panther as opposed to whatever Thor the Dark World was Mm -hmm. in the sense that you can feel that the director had some say and had some influence on it. It's definitely muted. I think that Disney does have a tight control over this. And I think I would like to see. (laughs) Yeah, it it is fair. I mean, they want to protect their IP. Yeah. (laughs) And this movie made like $115 million last weekend. So clearly they know what they're doing. But I think as they do more and more of these, I'm hoping that they'll let their directors be a little more risky, a little more creative with the process. But as far as this one goes, I, I do really like the kind of the blend of playing it safe while still letting Guy Ritchie play around a little bit. Well, if they do give the director more more control over it, are you afraid that they're going to change too much? See, I would personally, if I had to pick between the two, I'd personally rather them change too much than too little. Really? Okay. Just because I don't think that this, I mean... I can always rewatch the new one or the old one. I can always go back to that if I want to see the exact same thing. So if they change something and I don't like it, who cares? Whatever. I'll just go back to the old one Mm -hmm. because it's not like this new version is going to be ever going to be the definitive version. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that little kids growing up nowadays are going to prefer this version to the animated version. You don't think so? No, not at all. Because I, I, I think I prefer this version. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's crazy to me. <laughs> I think that's that's wild. Why? What does is, what is the live action one do better than the Maybe animated it, one? My least favorite part of the original animated one was Jasmine. And I, I feel like that's what made this movie for me. You know? Okay. Uh, and obviously my fir- my favorite part of the fir- like uh, animated Aladdin was the genie, but I feel like Will Smith makes his own genie so great that it's like, in my head, it's almost comparable. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't, I don't agree <laughs> at all. I think that that really surprises me. I don't think this movie actually really works if you haven't seen the original one. Really? Yeah. What, what, what do you? I mean, I think I think huge portions of this movie that I liked about it are nostalgia based. And I don't think that, I think you'd be doing your child a disservice of showing this one without showing them the animated one. Wow. Parenting tips for Mati here. Yeah, yes. (laughs) I mean, or at least showing it to them afterwards or whatever. Like, yeah, no. I mean, I I think that this movie is clearly at its best when it's doing riffs of something. But in order to do a riff, you need to have the knowledge of what it's riffing off of. I don't know. Okay. That that really surprises me that you think this is better than the animated one. I'm sorry. When's I... when's the last time you saw the animated one? The last time curious. I saw the animated one was last year. And before that, it was when I was like too young to remember probably. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I did see this. So I saw this movie over the weekend and then a couple days later I watched the animated one. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. And it's pretty so I I forgot um kind of the individual beats of the story. So I was pretty surprised by how much they did change. Mm-hmm. There's quite a bit different. The the opening is almost completely different. Um so the, is the ending. <laughs> yeah, the ending is very different. I think this one has a far worse ending. Really? I love the ending so much more in this movie. Okay. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit in spoilers. That'll be interesting. But before we do that, I just want to talk a little bit kind of about the uh, action scenes and the action set pieces. Mm -hmm. What did you think about those in this movie? Because I personally found them to be the least interesting part of this movie. Well, I, I, I for one, enjoyed um, the scene with Aladdin stealing the lamp and then the cave of whatever you call it. Cave of Wonders? That's the one. It all comes like crumbling down. There's lava everywhere. I thought that was really cool with 
the magic carpet coming in and saving the day. I thought that was all beautiful and all of the all of the gold getting melted down. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that was all really cool. Um, there was a bit that I'm guessing you didn't like because I, I for one didn't like it in the in the third act of the movie, just sort of like the big final battle, I guess you could call it. Yeah. In, in a very um it was a very Wonder Woman y ending, I thought. Where it was all CGI ah, that okay. you could I was re- like, in what in what way? <laughs> it was all just like CGI that you couldn't really distinguish. And it was hard to look at and blurry. Yep. And Completely agree. Then it was all suddenly over. I I wasn't a big fan of it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some really, really bad CGI in this, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um I think that some of the CGI is really good. Like I, I like all the CGI with the genie. Oh, in the yeah. scenes where he's kind of using his magic. Mm-hmm. Like, I like all his CGI magic. Um, and his look didn't really bother me. I, I know feel that... like if you look at him for too long, you're like, that doesn't look real. Yeah, but he's a genie, so <laughs> I was just sort I guess of, that's I don't yeah. really care. Yeah, he doesn't look right because of magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the... There's, there's some very painful green screens in this. Um, there's a lot of magic carpet flying that reminds me of like Wizards of Waverly Place when they fly on a magic carpet <laughs> and it's a painful green screen because it's a TV show. I think some of the production, the the practical production in this I think is really excellent. Like you said, I really like the city. I like the costumes. They're very vibrant. I like the, the different cultures kind of coming together. But the production design of the clearly green screens and flying through stuff in a whole new world yeah. and some of the action se- sequences at the end, that stuff is back to that like piss poor shitty CGI for no reason. You have $200 million, figure out how to make your CGI good. Yeah. It's not difficult. I I, I would agree with that. <laughs> um, actually, I'm sure it is difficult, but that's why you're paid big money. Anyways. Yeah, it's Disney. Yeah. I I also thought some of the CGI on Abu was a little weird. His monkey face was kind of creepy sometimes. Like his eyes were a little too big. Oh, yeah. But then at other times, you know, like I said, I liked the genie magic. I thought Raja looked pretty good, all things considered. I thought the magic carpet looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. The magic carpet on its own was good. Mm-hmm. And I liked, for the most part, the Cave of Wonders scene. I agree with you. That yeah. one was pretty exciting. But maybe we'll talk a little bit more about specifics there. In spoilers. Stick around. (laughs) You can cut that if you want. (laughs) I'm not. So let's just kind of give our overall thoughts on this before going into spoilers then. Yeah, I'm sure most of the people who are listening, if not all of them, have seen the original Aladdin. And I think this is definitely worth seeing if you're a fan of the original Aladdin and it's even more worth seeing if you didn't like the original Aladdin like I did. <laughs> say your controversial statement. Wear it on your sleeve. Say it. <laughs> yeah, this one's because, better. Because this one to me is better. I, I enjoyed this a lot more. I thought Shame. Jasmine was a lot better. Shame. They do so much more with her in this movie and justice was done with her character. Will Smith's genie is definitely worth seeing. And I know that there are people who are like, no, no, only Robin Williams can be Genie, but he's he's definitely Good worth. Voice, he's, <laughs> yeah, that's what they're that's what they're <laughs> like. But it's definitely worth uh, it to go see what he's like. Yeah. So, what's your score out of ten for this? I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. What's your score for the original? Five. Really? Yeah. It's like it's. What is a five for you? I'm just curious. It's just like not good, not bad. It's fine. Wow. All right. Could go without seeing it again. It's a bold statement, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. I think overall, I just had a ton of fun with this movie. And that's the one word that I would give this movie is fun. Mm-hmm. So even though I do think it does have quite a bit of flaws, I think, as I said, it's really choppy at the beginning. Large portions of it feel really rushed, even though it's over two hours. And I don't think all the acting is very good. There's especially some side characters that have just some really cringy acting. They're almost like stage acting or something Mm -hmm. and kind of projecting in a way that human people don't actually talk. (laughs) But all that aside, yeah, I think Guy Ritchie just really knows how to make above average, enjoyable, fun movies. 
And Aladdin is definitely that. Yeah. I don't think it's as good as the first one, but I don't think it's trying to be, which makes your statement more interesting, but whatever. Anyways, <laughs> and uh, you gave it a seven, right? Yeah. I'm actually going to give it a seven and a half. Oh, all right. So take that for what it is. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go into spoilers, I do want to mention a article that I read that I thought was incredibly interesting. I, I may have brought this guy up before. He's a writer at Forbes called Scott Mendelson. Mm-hmm. He's not called... His name. That's what they call you know, him. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna use real people language. His name is Scott Mendelson, and he wrote an article titled "Box Office: Aladdin Proves That On-Screen Diversity Matters, But Online Controversies Don't." And in this article, he kind of talked about how this whole production was riddled with all sorts of controversies. People hated the way that uh, what's his name looked, that Will Smith looked as the genie. Mm-hmm. People thought that the CGI was terrible, that it looked like a cheap TV movie, and none of it mattered because at the end of the day, it made $115 million. Mm -hmm. So this, to me, indicates that a lot of online garbage is really not telling of the general perception of a movie. Yeah, And I think that's even, you know, we saw that last Oscar season with Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, Green Book, which like people online derailed and then one of them got a whole bunch of oscars and another one won best picture so i think that's kind of an an interesting little tidbit but he says something really interesting at the end of this article Uh, he concludes by saying i would argue that creating a version of aladdin with this cast which in turn offers more evidence against conventional wisdom about who has to star in what movies for those films to be global blockbusters does justify its existence and this was something that i didn't totally think about that you can say whatever you want about these live-action Disney remakes that they're garbage or that they're it's showing that Hollywood is creatively bankrupt and they're just greedy money grubbers, whatever. Mm. I don't personally agree with that, but I think that's a fair assessment. But what this movie does like objectively show is that a movie with completely a cast completely filled with black and brown actors can make over a hundred million dollars at a blockbuster or at the mm-hmm. box office which I think is really, really exciting. And so even if this movie doesn't really contribute anything other than that, I think that's a great legacy for this film to have. Yeah. And I think it's a good way to show that, hey, your, you know, diversity matters. Diversity is important. And more importantly, it doesn't limit a film. Yeah. So, okay. Great Just wanted to say that. I don't know if you have anything to add. No, that that is a great uh, way for this movie to be remembered even though it will also be remembered as the better Aladdin. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just trying to get under your skin. <laughs> well, you are, so congrats. <laughs> All right, so before moving into spoilers, we'd like to introduce a new recurring section of the podcast. And in this section, what we're going to do is we're going to attempt to kind of blend the movie and the marathon part of the Movie Marathoners podcast. And so specifically in each of these episodes we'll be addressing some running-related questions inspired by the movie that we're reviewing. Woo, running. Yay, running, yeah. So hopefully this leads to some interesting and novel discussions, but this is our first time, so it also may be an absolute train wreck. Um, So we'd really appreciate listener feedback on it. If you like this new edition, let us know. If you think it's awful and it should never see the light of day again, also let us know. (laughs) Maybe kind of be nice about it. That wouldn't wouldn't be too bad. Tear us apart. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, yeah. Write us, write us a horrible review on Yelp. <laughs> so also this section currently has no name. So if you have an idea of like a witty running based title, please let us know. Help us out here. Uh, we've been trying to think of one and it hasn't been working so far. But for now, Ian, are you ready for our running questions section? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. So I'm curious, Ian, of the characters in Aladdin, who do you think could run the fastest mile? Genie, I'm going to say. All right. Is, well, does Genie have to be connected to the lamp, you know? Does uh, the lamp have to be moving? With, can he pick it up? Uh, he can't. No, no, up. because there's a... there's a. Oh, he scene. teleports all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he can do whatever okay. he wants. Okay, so yeah, Genie. So, but like, he can't use his magic. So I, I, I think what... He grows legs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm just making sure that you think that it's him or, just being like regular Will Smith. Or no, he transforms into a cheetah. No, that doesn't count. He well, can't do that. Who made the rules? I'm making the rules. Okay. I'm saying that you can't do that. <laughs> okay. I'm saying well, pure, he, it has to be pure fitness based. Like, 
how fit is Will Smith? Which, granted, like he can he can just make himself as fit as he wants. Okay, then so still genie. I, su- I suppose genie. Yeah, I'm is still fair. gonna go with genie. Okay, so I was I was trying to debate. I guess I didn't really consider that he could just you know make himself into a fit person. But I was trying to debate between Aladdin, who I think is pretty fit. He mm-hmm. he, he does CrossFit, but he's also kind of homeless and mm-hmm. probably not well fed. Mm-hmm. Or so, the tiger. Yeah, or Raja. Yeah. And so I did a little research, and by research, I mean I Googled one thing, which was how fast can a tiger <laughs> run? And <laughs> it is 35 to 40 miles per hour. But for how long? Yeah, yeah. So it, they said only in short bursts when they're hunting for, like, you know, like 10 meters yeah. they do this burst. But at the same time, I don't think that anybody's actually, like, observed a tiger run for Nobody's a ever mile. put it on a track before. Right. Yeah. And so I'm guessing that with 35 miles per hour, 40 miles per hour, that's like... A, a decent bit faster than Bolt can run a 100, right? Yeah. Like he he he, he max out max at out like, like 26 or 27. Yeah. 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 So I'm guessing that I would probably give the edge to Raja and mm-hmm. like a straight one-on-one mile. Yeah. But that sort of begs the question: How fast do you think Aladdin could run a mile? And but, this is like is he, this he's a well-fed Aladdin or like like the normal Aladdin that we see in the beginning of the movie where he's starving and eating dates? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, so I would say Aladdin at the start of the film, but you can give him like Hoka's or something. Okay. So he has, he wow, has real running the shoes. The peak performance shoes. Right. Hoka's. Right. <laughs> That's a great time to introduce our first sponsor of this episode. Hoka One One. <laughs> yeah. Please sponsor us, Hoka. Anyways, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I would say between Raja, Raja and Aladdin. Well, I'm just or... curious, like how fast of a mile you think Aladdin could run? <sighs> 540. 540? Yeah. Really? I think he can go well, under six. Yeah. Really? Oh, man. I had him way faster. What? Yeah. I had him like just, just barely under five. This is a starving boy. <laughs> yeah. But he's he can also... Did you see him parkour? Yeah. And so like, he could jump. He, he did that head spinny thing. He did nothing he, to prove to me that he can go faster. Than... He also can survive sub-zero. Uh, I guess that maybe that's a little bit of a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> He's got incredible body endurance, is, is all I'm going to say. But we don't know about those legs, though. Yeah. I mean, I think if you give him some some good shoes, you give him like, you know, a decent meal or if he kind of steals a whole bunch of food, if he if he plans for it for a week to kind of be a time trial, like he's he's at his nutritionist, nutritionist. I think it could I think it could get pretty fast, but maybe maybe sub five is overestimating it a little that's, bit. I feel like that's an above average runner. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Aladdin by nature is just an above average person. He's he's some might say he's a diamond in the rough. Oh my god. Okay. That's a line from the movie, people. It is a line from the movie. <laughs> I think we have officially burned this out. Um, <laughs> let's let's not Let's not uh, make this any longer than it has to be. All right. So this is going to be spoilers for Disney's live action Aladdin starting now. That's my secret, Cap. I'm always angry. So this movie does make quite a bit of changes, as we've mentioned, from Mm -hmm. the original one of the changes that I really liked that is a very minor change is that in the original movie, I don't know if you remember this, but they go into the Cave of Wonders, Aladdin and Abu, right? Mm-hmm. And they're told not to touch anything. And Aladdin's about to get the lamp, not to touch anything except the lamp, right? Aladdin's about to get the, the lamp. And then Abu is a greedy little monkey and he tries and takes a jewel mm-hmm. and then everything starts going bad and it's basically all Abu's fault for being yeah. a greedy monkey. Abu's the antagonist right? of the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The main antagonist. It's a bold choice to have a non-human <laughs> main antagonist. Um, but in this movie they vindicate Abu a little bit because they do show, I mean, eventually Abu does does succumb to his greed and he takes it and he still causes this whole thing. But there's a scene right before that where Aladdin is walking through the Cave of Wonders and he also almost takes a, a diamond or yeah, something. And then Abu and slaps. And kind of slaps him away. Yeah. So it's, it shows that if Abu wasn't there, Aladdin would have failed. So it's not, you know, it's not like everything is all Abu's fault, which yeah, I, I thought yeah. was a nice little touch. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, they also make a change where 
in the animated movie, Abu also gives his loaf of bread to the homeless kids at the beginning. Yeah. And in this movie, he does not. <laughs> yeah, no, he seems more greedy in this movie. Yeah, he's he's a little bit more mischievous. And he also steals Princess Jasmine's bracelet, bracelet and stuff. Yeah. So he's kind of still a little bit of a shithead. Yeah, but he's, he's the antagonist. <laughs> he's not the antagonist. Jafar is the antagonist. But speaking of a large change, let's talk about Jafar. Yeah. What do you think about him in this movie versus the um, animated one? Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't think Jafar was... He wasn't a like pickpocket in the past in the previous movie. Yeah, right? yeah, that that was new, and I thought that was sort of an interesting choice for this movie, making him sort of what Aladdin could have been if he made another choice. Yeah, you know, I, I thought that was really cool, and like, yeah, I, I yeah. made made Aladdin face uh face like sort of his destiny when he was choosing whether he wanted to continue on the path of power with the genie or tell jasmine the truth you know yeah i think that's really right i think that that's sort of what they were going for yeah but i think that it didn't really work that well in the film no i mean i think that this guy i don't think that this particular actor uh marwan kanzari Mm -hmm. i don't think he's remotely intimidating enough to be a villain i think that you're right what they wanted to do was kind of show that in in some ways jafar was what Aladdin kind of aspired to be, right? Mm -hmm. He was a guy that came from nothing and worked his way to the top. He was kind of the dream for Aladdin. And it was kind of like a cautionary tale of don't succumb to the the powers of the lamp and all this stuff. I think that would work if the movie cared about that a little more, but it clearly doesn't because it's not in the original movie. And so that's something that I think that if Guy Ritchie had his own original story that he would have leaned more into. He he would have had a parallel mm-hmm. uh, character. And I think, I, I mean, I haven't seen too many of his, mov- his other movies recently, but that's kind of a, a common theme in his movies, like with the Sherlock Holmes movies. There's always like one character kind of pitted against the other and they're sort of rivals and mirror opposites of each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and this film, like I don't, I nothing against the actual actor, but like I don't think that he's remotely intimidating as Jafar. I don't think he's scary or anything like that. And I don't think that the change is like they don't do anything with that change enough to justify a more traditional menacing villain. Yeah. Okay. I also think he's not given that many good lines. So he just kind of feels like this blase villain that doesn't really do anything. Mm -hmm. I I thought Um, of him more, I guess, as an obstacle between Aladdin and Jasmine in the movie. Yeah, I suppose I, I'm just like, if you think about how he was in the original mm-hmm. film, he has so much personality in that original film. He's yeah. like, you, you're scared of him also because he kind of looks scary. Yeah. And he's older and everything like that. And so I thought, like, I, I think I understand why Guy Ritchie chose to make him younger. I just don't think that the script and the movie gave him enough time to justify that reason. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that I thought they were going to do was they made him younger because there's a scene in the original where Jasmine has to distract him and like kiss him mm-hmm. while Aladdin tries to get the lamp. Do you remember that? No, but I believe you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> it's gross <laughs> because he is an old man yeah. and she is very young. So I was like, oh, they made him younger, so that's less creepy, right? But they didn't actually do that. They completely changed the ending of the movie. <laughs> what do you think about the ending? Uh, I really liked the end. Well, what part of the ending are you talking about? Like with, with Jeannie or Jasmine? The, I like both. Uh, the third <laughs> act. Like the... Because oh. basically they changed completely everything about how... What happens after Jafar becomes Sultan. Yeah. Right? When, he doesn't he, turn into a snake. A sorcerer kind of guy. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorcerer. Because he doesn't turn into a snake like in the original one. He yeah. doesn't trap Jasmine in an hourglass. Mm-hmm. Instead... He makes a parrot turn into like a big dinosaur parrot. parrot. Yeah. And I thought that looked really cool, actually. Mm. Um, And I liked that Jasmine was involved in the action. Yeah. But it did feel like the scope of the battle felt much smaller than in the animation. I I also just thought thought it looked bad. Yeah. What what do you mean by that? CGI wise. I just thought it. Which part? Like the parrot like tearing up. 
like the city. Oh, really? And stuff. It I actually he, didn't. I thought he looked pretty bad. Yeah, it didn't really bother me that much. Oh, okay. I thought <laughs> I thought them like the sort of three D parts of them flying through mm-hmm. the city on the carpet. I thought that looked kind of bad. Like it was clear that that was a green screen. Yeah, yeah. But I, I like the way the parrot looked. I don't know. I thought that was fine. Oh, and then another thing was that at the in the animated film when Jafar is kind of revealing that Aladdin is actually a street rat mm. instead of who he says he is. He has this really cool Prince Ali reprisal. It's like an evil version of Prince Ali. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would have been kind of cool to see in this, and they didn't really do that. So that was a little disappointing. I just thought kind of the the end battle, as you said before, it just ended really quickly. Yeah. And it felt almost sort of like they had to do something. Um, whereas They, they the, wanted to wrap up Jafar's thing so they could get to like the, the Jasmine and Aladdin. Yeah, I feel like the the ending of the animated one felt epic, and in this one, it just felt sort of like, eh. It, it was sort of like a poop. Yeah, like a little. Mm-hmm. So, I liked the the little bits after the whole battle th- thing, though. I liked like where the characters ended up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really liked where the characters ended up. You know, you see Jasmine become Sultan, which is a huge change from the original Aladdin. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense too. It does, like, because, there's no reason Aladdin would be Sultan. Yeah, and, and ja- throughout the movie, they show that Jasmine cares so much about her country and her people, and she also has made an effort to get to know them. You know, she goes down and like talks with the people who a princess usually wouldn't talk to, mm-hmm. and I, I thought that was really great to see her get what she deserves. You know. Yeah. What do you think about her new song? Oh, I love that new song. Really? Yeah. Um, a- after that, I just wanted her to do like a reprisal at the end or something. <laughs> and- I thought, uh, man, I, I, I liked the song itself, mm-hmm. but where it was in the movie and the tone of that song, it's like a lot, it's super poppy. It yeah. felt really out of place with the rest of the music. And especially in that moment, it felt sort of like, what? What's going on? Why is she yelling so loud? I thought it was like let it go-y almost. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. I, I really I really liked it. And I think but I don't think that that tone aligns with the rest of the songs in the movie at all. I, I, it did seem like they were just putting it in there so that it was the next let it go or uh the one from Moana. I don't know, she was pissed off though. And she was proving it through song. Yeah, I mean, that's what you do in musicals. Well, she wasn't. She it wasn't even through song. It was like in her head. Yeah. Um. And it just that stuff like that had never happened before in the oh, movie. Yeah. And just I just mean the actual music of the song felt super out of tone with the rest of the music, which has more of an orchestral kind of mm-hmm. Middle Eastern feel to it, whereas this one was just straight American pop. Completely. Uh, yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> like it just sort of felt like. Oh, it felt like a song that would be at the in the end credits mm-hmm. of of a Disney movie, as opposed to in the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I see that. But I mean, you, I didn't I really guess bother could, me though. Yeah, it, it sort of took me out of the movie, but that's fine. <laughs> I have two complaints about the CGI in this movie, or two big complaints. Okay. The first one, which is going to be the Avatar tie-in, is that the underwater scene where he's drowning mm-hmm. looks ugly. It is so ugly, and I think underwater scenes in movies just look ugly all the time i think most of aquaman is ugly i thought the underwater scenes in mary poppins returns were ugly it's just this murky blurry crap and i want people to stop and james cameron needs to release avatar 2 now because he is sleeping on that clearly good underwater technology (laughs) that he's using in that movie because it takes place underwater most of it or something like it's known that it's going to explore the seas of Pandora or something. Oh, okay. So, like, he's sleeping on perfectly good underwater tech that is going to better underwater scenes. Like, so much. It, it's gonna it's gonna look so much better. And it's gonna until be like another happens, Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna almost gonna be like a second Avatar. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and <laughs> until then, people just need to stop putting underwater scenes in their yeah. movies. You heard it here ugly. first. Mati hates water. He wants it all to go. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm a team magma from <laughs> from Ruby. More land, less water. <laughs> the other the other kind of similar rant to that is I thought that the uh, snow section or whatever mm. was super ugly. Yeah, and I didn't it really also, understand why they did that. I mean, it, to me, it seemed like they did that literally because it's in the first movie. Mm-hmm. But it's not cool. 
yeah, it's just gross and it doesn't even matter because he just gets there in like half a second. <laughs> yeah. So that was super annoying. I too. guess we got to see Abu uh, like cold and sad though. Yeah, it was adorable. But what was more sad to me was when the magic carpet was dead and then Abu was kind of like pulling at him. Oh. <laughs> that was so sad. Maddie laughed when that happened. Really? Oh, <laughs> uh, and then and then when he, when the genie made the when magic that, carpet when whole the again. Tassels, when the tassel like fell in slow motion. Oh, I was the magic like, carpet died. We that worked like, for me so well. I don't know what that says we like, about me. Are you me. kidding me? <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but I was just like, oh no, that's Abu's friend. <laughs> <laughs> and then they got to hug at the end. I was like, I don't think Aw. they built up the Abu magic carpet relationship nearly as much in this movie as in the animated one. That's yeah. that's the only gripe I have with this movie. Yeah, I mean that's totally fair. That's the only gripe you have. The only gripe. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I guess I don't have that many gripes either. Um <laughs> I did think it was ridiculous that basically Aladdin is an idiot. Yeah. There is no re- why would he think that she was the handmaiden i think actually just in general in this movie mina plays mm-hmm. aladdin as a lot more doofy and less confident yeah than he is in I, the cartoon. I agree it, that reminded me of another issue I, I an issue i actually had with this movie oh, oh no not your perfect seven out of ten movie all right <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm ignoring that because that was mean but the issue i had was you know the genie from pretty much the beginning realized that Aladdin was different from the rest of his masters that he's had. So he was like being much more friendly with Aladdin and more helpful with Aladdin with all of his wishes. And at the end of the movie, the genie's like, dude, I can just like get rid of that law for you. You can go off and be with Jasmine. And like, I I was like, are you kidding me? Why didn't you tell him that in the beginning of the movie? Why did you let him become a fake prince? I, I figured that he just didn't think about it until then. He was trying to come up with, with ways to... He has a lot of time to think when he's... Either one of them, Aladdin or the genie, should have been like, hey, I wish the lo- the one thing that's keeping me away from this girl wasn't a thing. Yeah, well, well, he they they did that with the prince thing. It wasn't until that didn't work that they started to come up with other solutions. I, I just feel like that was an obvious, very... So much easier solution yeah, I than mean, living a lie. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't I don't totally understand how the whole genie stuff works either. And I thought that this movie did a slightly better job than the animated one of doing it because at least he has to rub his lamp before saying it. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense why if the genie likes him, why he can't just do magic all the time for him. Like, I don't understand. It's offensive. What? what? I, I think he, he, he said that it it's like sort of. Oh, like it's demeaning. Yeah, you mean yeah. like it makes him feel like he's a servant or something. Yes, that's what. That's yeah, that's what. That's to get fair. At. I guess just the whole. Okay, okay, that's fair. It just sort of seems like if he's really friends with them, it's a slippery and... slope, you know. Yeah, I it, guess. if he saves him from one thing, then he has to save his life all the time. All the time, yeah. yeah. That's. I guess that's true. What do you think about Nassim Pedrad's character? She's the handmaiden to Jasmine. Oh, I could have done without her. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't think she was necessary. Yeah, I thought, I mean, it was kind of clear that the only reason she was in the movie was to give Will Smith more things to do mm-hmm. so that Will Smith was in the movie more, which, and I, I heard this discussed, I can't remember the podcast that they, they talked about this in, maybe Next Best Picture. They were saying that it does feel a little weird for this movie to give agency to its female character in Jasmine Mm -hmm. and then also introduce a completely new character that is also a female that has zero agency. And I thought that was kind of weird. I, again, think it's a similar thing that I could see how it could work if they gave her more to do Mm -hmm. and she was in the movie more and she had thoughts that were independent of Jasmine's thoughts or independent of how she likes Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And it would have been kind of like a cool thing that, okay, it makes sense. Pair the genie with the person who's ostensibly a slave to the princess. That whole thing makes sense. It just, they gave no time for that. And she does not pass the Bechdel test at all. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that is? No. <laughs> uh, it's like a test that some lady came up with that's kind of a measure to represent 
like a measure of the representation of females in film. Mm-hmm. And in order to pass the Bechdel test, a movie has to have at least two women characters in mm-hmm. them, and they have to talk about something other than a male character. Oh, okay. And yeah, so this movie does not pass that. Yeah. And it's sort of weird that they didn't give her some sort of agency telling Jasmine, like, you know, oh, I just want to travel the world or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was weird. Or like have have a long discussion between the two of them about why Jasmine wants to be Sultan and stuff. Yeah. Like, like something, something like that would have been easy. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's not like people necessarily write the movie to intentionally pass the Bechdel test, but that would have passed it and it would have... And it would have developed her, her character a bit yeah, more. She at least has some sort of wants. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to our point two section where yes. we talk... What? Yes. Don't interrupt me. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> where we where we talk about some of the other stuff we've been watching. Ian, now you can talk. What what have you been watching? <laughs> uh recently I've been watch I binge watched pretty much the uh Netflix sketch series I think you should leave. Oh yeah, I watched that too. I thought that was so funny with Tim Robinson. Yeah. I I don't I have never seen him before before this show have yeah, you no? can't tell you where he's from did you like it tell, tell me what you think about it first and then i'll okay i thought it was really funny and i love that they were all just like short 15 minute sketches like episodes where they could really i thought every sketch was was good whereas when you go to snl or something because they have to do this every week with so many different sketches some of them are like hit or miss you know with all their jokes yeah and i thought all of these ones landed with me it's not a show that you're going to watch and find some hidden lesson or little thesis to like how the comedy is done in this. It's not a it's nothing fancy or anything new, I guess I would say, but it's just like fun. It's just fun. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that assessment. I do think though that for me at least it was super hit or miss. Really? Yeah. I I I aligned it a lot with SNL where there was some that I was belly rolling laughing mm-hmm. and then others where I was like okay I can I can move on from this I think by far my favorite sketch is the very first one of the very first episode which one is that it's the the pole door oh and he just like rips it off yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that that's that... the only thing I can find I was looking for some similarity or some theme throughout all the episodes yeah and the only thing I could find was that like when the characters like mess up or do something wrong, they like double down on yeah, it to like the, to f- the furthest extent that they could go. Like somebody's late to a party and instead of like telling the truth that they were just like late to the party, he makes up a hit and run that he was involved in. <laughs> no, it wasn't that he was involved in. He makes up a hit and run that his babysitter was involved in. Oh, yeah. 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 I think that's the last one. Yeah. That that one I think is really funny. I loved the hot dog van sketch where he crashes a hot dog oh, car into yeah, the store. Yeah. That one's really funny. The one where the guy's like choking on food and he like won't admit that he's choking oh, because yeah. there's somebody famous at the table. With yeah. Him. I thought the the world's best baby contest was really oh, funny. Yeah. But there's a couple that just like didn't work for me and I was like, whatever. But as you said, all the sketches are really short and then the episodes are only 15 mm-hmm. minutes and there's only like six episodes or something. Yeah. So if you don't like a sketch, I guess it's only a couple of minutes yeah. from your life. Yeah. I, I do think that the first episode and the last episode have the best sketches. Yeah. I would agree opinion. with that. But mm-hmm. the first episode's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's what is it called? I think you should leave. I think you should leave. Yeah. I would yeah. definitely recommend it. And that's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Easily watchable. Watch it in an hour. <laughs> I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant on mine because okay. I saw something that I really loved and I really want to talk about it. Okay, what is it? Uh, I saw Booksmart. Oh, yeah. Which is a movie directed by Olivia Wilde. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's about two best friends in high school. Their names are Molly and Amy. Amy mm-hmm. And they're in their senior year. And they're kind of like these laser-focused students in school. And they've never been to a party, but on the night before graduation, they decide that they want to go to a party and experience everything that they've been missing out on. And mm-hmm. then like casual, it's a teen high school comedy. So chaos ensues. Right. And so I actually didn't know anything about this movie besides I heard rave reviews about it coming out of, I want to say Sundance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, but I knew nothing else about it. So I was like, oh, it's 
It's got two two women in it. It's a high school thing that got rave reviews at a film festival. It's probably going to be like Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. But it's actually very similar to the genre that Superbad is in. Yeah, I keep hearing it being compared to Superbad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that's a fair comparison, especially because it is just so much better than Superbad. Yeah. I think this movie is so good. I absolutely loved it. It's smart. It's sweet. And it shows a specific type of high school experience that I don't think we've seen before. I may be wrong. And I think the the best thing about it is that it's this really smart deconstruction of high school stereotypes. So like all the characters in the movie, including the main characters, they're kind of given these traditional roles that you see in all sorts of teen movies mm-hmm. or teen comedies specifically. But then as you get to know the characters, they're a lot more layered than that. And it's hilarious and the comedy doesn't really feel conventional, uh, especially with the leads. Uh, I think that like with a lot of comedies and especially with female leads, they tend to be pigeonholed into kind of like a handful of different comedic stereotypes. Uh, if you think of kind of like the big female comedians, they sort of just have a shtick yeah. that they kind of deal with. Like and Melissa I think, McCarthy. Right. Yeah. And and that's not knocking Melissa McCarthy. I think she's actually incredibly talented and funny. Yeah. Um, but, but at her worst and at her laziest, she's just a stereotype. Yeah. And I think that in Booksmart, the female leads could have been like that, but they're given a lot more to do, which makes them feel less like stereotypes and more like these fully realized people that happen to be really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a huge reason for that is because it's a female director and it's female writers and they're telling a story and exploring the themes that we've definitely seen before, but they're doing it in kind of like a unique perspective that feels fresh. Cool. Yeah. So you liked it. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved this movie and I have more of a rant, so I'm sorry. You're okay. going to just have to hold on, but this is important. Okay. So I think that there's moments in this film that kind of spoke really personally to me and my high school experience. Mm. And especially the main character who's played by Beanie Feldstein, who ironically, she's Jonah Hill's sister. Wow. Super bad. Jonah Hill's in Superbad. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, she's really good, but she's kind of like reckoning with some, I want to keep it vague. But she's reckoning with like a realization that I've personally dealt with. And it's not anything that I've ever really seen in a film before. And I feel like this film is probably going to be the closest thing that I'll get to seeing my high school experience on screen. And the, so like, I feel really. That's awesome. Close. That's probably what Olivia Wilde wanted. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, people to see a story that they yeah, didn't think they would ever. But see. I think what's really cool about that, and what I I want to fixate on, is that this is a movie with female leads, mm-hmm. directed by a woman, written by a woman, and I personally connect to it in a very raw and real way. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a sort of this backwards idea that like you definitely don't feel, I definitely don't feel, but a lot of people do is that when there's a movie with female leads or minority leads or whatever, that men can't connect to the female stories mm-hmm. and that the stories by having female leads or whatever are going to alienate a major demographic. And, you know, that's spread throughout Hollywood. You know, you can't make the Iron Man 3 villain a woman because little kids don't play with girl toys. Yeah. Right. Uh, But that's bullshit (laughs) because, like, I connected with Molly in this film more than 99 percent of all the other male white leads that I've seen in other teen comedies. And that's the same thing with Love, Simon, which is a film that I really loved. It really spoke to me despite never specifically dealing with having to come out. Mm -hmm. And I think these movies just work because the characters are unique. And they're layered. And what I want Hollywood to learn from this is that diversity doesn't alienate white audiences, but it does make people and women of color, or excuse me, women and people of color feel representative, represented, and that can only be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. This movie's great. What's really sad about it is that it only made $8.6 million this Mm -hmm. weekend. So I'm asking people to go see it. Definitely (laughs) go see it. Um, Because Superbad made $33 million in its opening weekend. And this should be making as much money as that. So, yeah. I mean, I also do want to just do some quick nitpicks. I don't totally love the ending of the movie. I think like a lot of other teen comedies, it goes off the walls at the end. Mm. And that's just not personally. I don't like how crazy it gets. Yeah. And then also a lot of the comedy is super current culture specific, if you know what I mean. So might not age well. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's going to, age as well as something like Supergirl 
super bad <laughs> super bad thank yeah. you or mean girls <laughs> yeah. right which is kind of a very classic comedy yeah um so it'll be interesting but i think right now it really works so definitely go see this movie we have like five listeners if you all see it please support <laughs> this movie uh i think it's really important that we support movies that are directed by women that are yeah, starring women sure. and that are written by women and to get more of them we definitely need to vote with our wallets and this movie is just really really good so like support good movies Definitely go see Booksmart. Yeah. Awesome. I'll be going to see it probably this weekend. Yeah. So I think I think we sort of fumbled the ball as a society here with their, its opening weekend, but there's another huge metric that kind of signifies a good movie or a successful movie, and that's its second weekend holdover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe it can't make $33 million, but if the difference between its opening weekend and its second weekend is really small, that indicates to studios that yeah. a lot of people are liking the movie. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Nice. Sorry for the rant. (laughs) (laughs) So this has been our review of Aladdin. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin MacLeod, and you can find more of his work at incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie M-A-R-A Pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, moviemarathonerspod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast on Podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. So please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. Thank you all for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next time when we run through something that we have not quite decided yet. (laughs) So stay tuned for that. Until then, bye. See ya. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.